Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the show. With you until 11 o'clock today. Again, the phone line's open, 217-356-9397. The morning after of the uh, Big Ten opener, Indiana 23, Illinois 20 last night in Bloomington, Indiana. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. You were up late. Made it through the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the team buses rolled back in about a little bit after 3 o'clock, 3.15, walked into my house at 3.30. Well, you uh, needed that much to recover. You wouldn't have been able to sleep anyway. That's true. I, <laughs> even at that, I didn't sleep when I first got home. I yeah. just kind of hard to unwind on that one. But uh, uh, if you uh, have some thoughts on that, that you didn't uh, stay up and uh, check in on the postgame show, you can do it here on the show this morning. We've got some guests scheduled, all of whom will talk about uh, the ball game and Three of the uh, four were there last night, Jeremy Werner, Jeff Rabjohns, and Scott Ritchie. And the newspaper did a good job, I thought, in the, the amount oh, yeah. of... Uh, well, they got a little extra time, Steve. Yeah. They, you, got, they, you have a few uh, opportunities during the course of a year to push the deadline back, and they did last night. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I know you feel the same way because we've talked about it, but some of these games are just taking forever yeah, to play. It was a four-hour game, wasn't it? It was a three-hour, it was basically worked out to about an hour a quarter because as we were going to the fourth quarter, we, we made a note that the game was three hours. Usually you're about done in three hours, yeah. or you should be. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it went another... Uh, well, the Wyoming game didn't have any, uh, has, you know, no uh, slowdown at the end where a team's trying to beat the clock or, you know, throwing a lot of passes. And, and that game was three and a half hours, so, right. and this one went all the way four. Well, there's some plays you'd like to have back, no doubt. And uh, well, yeah, they, the Illini took over the game in the second half, and they, and they marched down there, and they got down the twenty. And they had that. First of all, they had that lateral after they took the lead. They had that lateral pass that was maybe a foot back or maybe two feet. I mean, it was a lateral. It was a right call by the officials, who, by the way, made the wrong call on the on the touchdown pass to uh, uh, the receiver Hightower. Uh, Hightower. Uh, Hightower went up high had full control of the ball as he came down and he and he he hit the ball he hit the ground with full control of the ball and once he hit the ground that's a touchdown 
It doesn't matter that the player that the other player reached in later and pulled the ball out and, and because he was upset. That was a touchdown, and the officials missed that. I mean, it was it was clear to me. I, I, I don't know what they were looking at when they when they denied him the touchdown. And then on the uh, drive where Chase Brown had a couple of good runs and they got it down inside the five and couldn't push it in. A lot yeah. of people talking about that fourth down call. Well, yeah, I, of course. If you run it up the middle and you know, if you try something exotic, I don't know what you do on fourth and one. Everybody has a problem. I mean, some sometimes you make it and sometimes you don't. Chase Brown is your uh, is your male cow. He had thirty six carries. So who you yeah. who you think they're looking for, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And by the same token, uh, uh, Indiana got it down to the one yard line, and they ran shivers up the middle, and he and he got in. Yeah. And yet that was the same defense that against Penn State held them time after time on those drives. You know, on those in that nine overtime game a year ago. He said, I don't know uh, what to say. I mean. You can't go back to one call. They could have kicked a field goal there. I mean, you you always have that opportunity option, but uh, I I don't know what to say when you dominate somebody so much in in the uh, in the line. Illinois' offensive line dominated. I mean, when you shake a guy loose for 199 yards, that's that's a really good game. And defensively, we give up what uh, 32 yards. 32 yards. Yeah. And so. But if you are vulnerable in the last two minutes, it doesn't matter who the best team is. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It, anything can happen in that situation. Everybody's got a two-minute offense, and usually defensively the team tends to get back on their heels a little bit. They don't want to get beat by the deep one. And what happened was they just competed, completed a whole series of short passes all the way down the field. And many times the prevent defense prevents you from winning yeah, in the, in the yeah. end. It does because uh, they moved it down, and they, they didn't move it at all in the, uh, in the second half. No, didn't move it at all. The whole second half, they didn't have anything going. They were shut out. The Illinois defense the made some adjustments and – Anyway, they say it's just one game, but uh, I think uh, there's some concerns there. Eight penalties for 81 yards and some unsportsmanlike calls. Two, of, two really bad ones. That you just we uh, They overcame the uh, the first, the, the one, uh, I believe it was Martin. I'm not sure. Might have been Smith. Uh, they overcame that to score a touchdown mm-hmm. to start second half. So that, you know, they put that in the rearview mirror and, and uh, and scored, but once ahead seventeen to sixteen, they just couldn't seem to expand it. And I I was uh, I didn't know if I would I didn't know if I wanted to see him go for that field goal from forty eight yards or not. I was kind of thinking maybe it'd be better just to punt him back down there and try to hold him. But over the one, you'd rather have a four point lead than a one point lead. That's a big difference. It takes a field goal out of uh, play. And it was a really good kick by Griffin. Yeah, I mean, was. he kicked that way over the bar. That came with two sixteen to go in the game, and I was kind of in my mind trying to figure out the the post game show and how to wrap things up. That was going to be the game winner. That was going to be the, the the play of the game, or certainly yeah. the one that clinched yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And the first big kick of his career, mm-hmm. still a big kick, but yeah. you got to stop him in the last two minutes, and they got in with twenty three seconds left. What do you think? Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We had couple of texts this morning about the play calling down there in the red zone. And again, you know, if if you kick a field goal, you still get to be, well, why didn't you go for a touchdown? There's the old Monday morning quarterback the thing. One thing about it, if you, if you try for a touchdown from the one-yard line and you don't get it, 
they're still stuck down there, and and, and that didn't lose the game. You still got them, and right. you're still going to get the ball back in good position and eat up some of the clock. But naturally, you want to score if you can. And and I don't know, uh, Steve. I I'm just in that old category of, and and get me in a lot of trouble. But I always want to do what the other team least expects. And you know, I might throw a ball down there, but yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say that when you. When you have pushed them around the whole entire game, our op- Illinois' offensive line pushed the defensive line of Indiana around. But the thing that they had going for them was was the unexpected blitzes by Cam Jones or the blitzes by different. They had people coming from different directions, and Illinois had a new line. They had two new positions. Uh, Pearl was hurt, hurt sprained his ankle, and and so they had to move Adams over to a tackle and pull Slaughter in at guard, and those. They're quality players, I, I'm sure, but no experience whatsoever. I mean, Slaughter's never really played, and and Adams was a, was a junior college player a year ago. Indiana with ten tackles for loss in that ball and game. That's why. Yeah, and uh, three sacks on the night. Phone line is open. Let's go to Allen kicking us off. What do you say, Allen? Morning, guys. That was a really disappointing game to watch. Uh, we were clearly better than Indiana. No. Just about all passes, other than actually scoring touchdowns. Can't we have an imaginative offense other than Chase Brown? We're going to run that kid in the ground before the season's over with. We keep this up. Uh, I'm just not sold on uh, Tommy DeVito. He missed on a lot of passes. We had drop balls, yet we still had, what, almost 400 yards? Well, we had, almost 500. For one thing, he had 60% completions, which isn't bad. And you don't like him, but he made four tremendous runs for first downs. The only times he ran, he ran for first downs. And, of course, he was sacked three times, but I don't, I don't know what more you expect out of him. He's not a Heisman Trophy candidate, but he was certainly a quality player in this game. And in uh, 21 out of 35 is, is exceptional. I think satisfactory at least. We well, haven't been completing. Well, we have not been completing sixty percent of our passes for years. Well, that might be true, but still, those passes you gotta hit him on the target a little better than he did. He threw the ball behind him several behind. times. You're right. Yes, he did. But uh, I don't know. Luke Ford is the most disappointing player I've uh, seen in a long time. For as much hype as he's got, he's almost useless. Uh, he can't run, he can't hang on the ball, he can't catch the ball. We don't have a tight end. We had one good tight end, Daniel Barker, and he's gone. Yep. Uh, I just don't see much diversity in the offense. We're going, what happened to all the running backs we were supposed to have? We got Chase Brown, and that's basically it. McCray. Well, McCray got hurt. I mean, he was the number two. I, I mean, that. now you're down to okay. number three, and they did run love some. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what happened to the freshman running backs we're supposed to have? It's supposed to be pretty good. What, why, why do you want to play freshman? Does anybody why play not? freshman? We don't have anybody to back up. Well, they certainly do. They had they had uh, they had love in the ball game, and the only uh, and they had uh, Chase, Chase Hayden. Haynes, Hayden in the game. He he carried one, one time. One yeah. play. Yeah, he ran the ball one time. And he net <clears throat> got zero yards. Well, <laughs> we're just running. We're just running Brown in the ground, and 
the teams know it. We didn't do anything different. Why didn't we do a more jet sweep with uh, Williams? That was pretty effective for a few times in the game. Well, Williams did catch nine passes. That's that's yeah, a little it, something else. I consider when he talks about the jet sweep, I consider those passes, those handoffs forward, those are runs right. in my mind. And we ran that several times, and we ran it for a touchdown. But uh, and, he, and he had some good gains. But I mean, you can <laughs> you can complain all you want. They they had a lot of yards, and and you know if if you don't run Brown, then maybe you should have. Uh, uh, he looked yes, to me like he came out perfectly long. healthy, 199 yards, and I didn't see him limping. Uh, well, he will be if you keep doing this for the rest of the year. Uh, I will say one good thing. Our defense is much better, even though it wasn't on the last uh, last go-around. But our defense is so much better than when Lovey Smith was here. That's one big plus. But Well, the, we defense, the defensive offense. secondary got beat a couple times deep. Of 34 and 52 yards, a 52-yard touchdown play, and that really hurts. But those guys, those four guys, had 27 tackles, and I they mean, some hard. of them, some of them, and they right from the beginning when uh, Witherspoon hit Shivers on that first play, yeah. it was was it Shivers or Shivers? I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce Shivers. it. Shivers, Shivers, uh, Shivers, did transfer from shivering. Auburn. <laughs> he was shivering. One, <laughs> yeah, he was well, after I that mean, play. They hit and they play hard, and yeah, I hate to see them. Do. I hate to see them blame for the loss, but uh, you well, know, I don't blame them for the loss. I, I blame the offense. Well, you got to score touchdowns when you're there. Well, yeah, or or at least get field goals. They didn't even get that. They had four marches yeah, down there in, right. the, in second half when uh, Indiana couldn't do anything offensively. Only get the ball right back and go right down there and. And of course, they didn't get any points until the final uh, field goal, and and you know that gave that gave Indiana one last desperation chance. And everybody's got a two-minute offense, and everybody's got a defense that doesn't seem to be able to stop a two-minute offense. Well, it didn't help that they took a touchdown away from them in the first half. Even announcers said it should have been a touchdown. They still didn't overturn it. So it's, what's the point? It's a clear touchdown. Not not it's a doubt low. in the world. From Absolutely. The, from the moment he hit that ground, when he hit that ground in the end zone, inbounds, that's a touchdown. Doesn't matter if the guy reaches in and pulls the ball out later. Yeah, it was definitely a touchdown, and that kind of set the tone for the game, really, in a way. Okay, Alan, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Lauren, uh, you saw the ball game in many ways better than I. I was in the press box and looking around this and that, and uh, just trying to to do my job, but did Indiana one of those field goals they kicked was it wide right? No, no. Okay, no. several no. a couple of textures said that, but yeah, uh, okay. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't think so. I thought they were all good. Yeah, I didn't see a replay on that, but uh, we're off and running. We'll keep the phone lines open. We'll update you on baseball uh, scores of the night, high school football. Eight teams that I counted in high school football scored more than 50 points. <laughs> it really concerns me the lop, number of lopsided games that we are now having because some teams simply like, you know, like Urbana didn't even have a team, and if they did, they'd be getting beat by big margins like that, and some teams aren't having enough people out for the team. Centennial was behind in their game and then ended up uh, getting ahead so much they had the, uh, the uh, running clock. Yeah. We'll get those scores uh, posted for you and uh, talk about that as we move along. 217-356-9397 is the number. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is back after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. 
Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, PellaofChampaign.com. It is 9-17, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. We have an open line, 217-356-9397. Until 11 o'clock, feel free to join us. And joining us on our hotline is our friend Jeremy Werner, who uh, was in Bloomington, maybe still in Bloomington. I don't know, Jeremy, did we, did we wake you up this morning? Uh, yeah, I got about three hours of sleep, guys. Come on with you and head home after this. Yeah, late, late night here in Bloomington with what, a four-hour game. Um, and uh, one that had plenty of twists and turns there, as you saw. I'll tell you what, it, uh, as you mentioned, four-hour game, it just took forever to uh, get that game over, and it seems like uh, the more games you watch, the more that's becoming a trend. Well, uh, they got to make that TV revenue somehow, guys, and in Fox Sports 1 seems to really milk those commercials, so <laughs> I think that's here to stay uh, for, for Big Ten making all that money. Uh, they need some commercial breaks, so yeah. Then uh, some referees uh, made some you know long decisions there, but either way, it, it came out to be, uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the four hours, pretty painful. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was. Uh, it probably was uh, the opening game for that refereeing crew, but it looked like it was. If it wasn't, right? Yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear. Like that that play for Hightower was not. Um, you can't just solely look at that play, though. A lot of Illinois fans probably waking up this morning angry at the rest for it, and understandably so. Uh, Illinois had so many ways to win that game, but yeah, that was a shame. It was such a good play. Uh, by Brian Hightower, a big explosive play. I thought it was a dangerous ball by Tommy DeVito, and his wideout went and got it. And, and uh, they must have not seen enough on review to overturn it. Uh, but man, that that was a that was a good play, and it looked like it was a catch. So it's it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for Illinois, but they had so many other opportunities to win the game. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I don't know how they missed the the moment that he hit the ground in full possession of the ball. That's a touchdown. It didn't matter that the ball that the guy reached in later and pulled it out. I mean, that, it was a touchdown all the way. I don't understand how they could have missed that. Well, I don't know what a catch is in the NFL or, or college football anymore. So uh, yeah. officiating is, is an issue. But, man, Illinois just shot itself in the foot mm-hmm. time after time after time. I mean, I, I know the turnover at the end gets included in this when, when Hightower is trying to make a play to Isaiah Williams with that, that lateral. But, uh, you know, three turnovers in Indiana territory when you have a lead uh, is just atrocious. Um, and, you know, penalties, uh, costly penalties, a couple blown coverages. And, and, and I know a lot of Illini fans uh, were saying, why are we in prevent late in the game? I went back and looked at that. They, they were in man. Like, they, they just had blown coverages, lost their guys. Indiana made some plays. And I think Basilak was kind of feeling himself towards the end. He had a really great drive. But I didn't see a lot of that prevent defense. I saw man-to-man where, where they were just getting beat. Uh, and, of course, you know, the big play over the top in the first half really, really hurt them. So uh, just so many self-inflicted, you know, things for Illinois that, that cost them a game that they probably should have won by 10 or more points. Yeah, 10 tackles for loss, eight penalties. Those are bad numbers. And I'm sure that uh, Bielfo, uh, Biel, Bielma was plenty upset about the discipline that just wasn't quite there. How much do you think Pearl's absence – affected uh, the uh, the blocking scheme 
Yeah, I haven't looked at it, um, but I thought the tackles played pretty well. Uh, Palcheski, I think, is, is played really well. I thought Isaiah Adams moved out to left tackle and, and played pretty well, given that this was a pretty late decision. I'm sure Pearl didn't practice and they were practicing like this, but I got to go back and watch the film. But it's clear they have not been able to run inside. Um, you know, with Pilstrom at center and, and now Slaughter at left guard and, and Chrysler at right guard, that's a pretty inexperienced crew. Um, so I, I know it's an older crew, but it's pretty experienced, inexperienced one, one that wasn't too heavily recruited there. So um, I, I don't know what the issues are without going back and, and, and seeing the film yet. Uh, but they obviously were not pleased with when they needed yards in between the tackles. They couldn't get it. That said, the, the offense was able to move the ball on, on the perimeter. And I think, you know, Chase Brown obviously is very good and probably makes up for a lot of blocking mistakes. Um, but, you know, I thought, I thought Lonnie was able to move the ball until they got into the red zone. And that, that's mm-hmm. been a clear issue for Illinois for, for offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator. And I think Brett Bielma, you know, it, was, it was interesting after the game, he said, I, I think Barry's going to learn from this about with our offense, how we need to approach things in the, in the red zone. And I think that might be more about personnel, like what we can do, what we can't do. I think we've got to remember Barry Lonnie's still learning his personnel, kind of like Ryan Walters at this point was still learning his personnel and had, you know, had to make some adjustments during the off week. I think we could see that coming on both sides of the ball here soon, guys, of how they, you know, maybe Bologna more with how he plays with the people that he has. And I think Ryan Walters on defense, they're not getting enough play out of their outside linebackers and their linebackers in free safety. Kirby Joseph was standing on the sidelines, but he wasn't walking onto that field last night, and they certainly missed him. So I don't know if it happens this week or during the off week, but – uh, I'm interested to see if, you know, after a couple games of evaluation, if, if they make some personnel changes like they did last year uh, to maybe put guys in, in, in a better position to succeed based on what they've seen. Those uh, four defensive backs, by the way, I think that they are really good tacklers. I, I, yep. I, can, I, I, don't, I don't remember when I've seen four. They had 27 tackles in that game, and I know a lot of them are on pass completions, obviously, because right. they're the ones downfield. But, boy, they, they deliver a blow, don't they? Yeah, I think Devin Witherspoon is fantastic. It's one of the things I thought Nate Hobbs was great at uh, when he was at Illinois. We know Sidney Brown, who led the team in tackles yesterday, I thought was a force on some of those screens. Uh, man, they laid out that, that Shivers kid a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he almost he felt bad from Quan Martin, certainly could pack a punch. Uh, I, I thought Tavion Nicholson struggled a little bit. Taz Nicholson struggled in coverage uh, a little bit. I thought Kendall Smith uh, struggled in coverage a little bit. But certainly those top three guys, Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon, Quan Martin, I know they gave up yards yesterday, uh, but I thought those guys packed a punch. And I thought you know, the Indiana wide receivers are probably feeling it today. Uh, but I also thought guys the the defensive front and what Ryan were, was doing of bringing pressure, I know they, didn't, and they ended up with one sack, right? Uh, but just looking at pro football focus, Johnny Newton had nine pressures. Um, you know, he hit the quarterback, I think, five times yesterday. So I thought they were doing a good job of getting pressure on Basilak. Yeah. Um, looking at the numbers here, they had 20 pressures on the game, 11 hurries. They just weren't able to bring him down in some key moments. Like Even on that last drive, Gabe Ackes got a hold of Basilak on the first play, just wasn't able to bring him down. They just needed that one more play for a defensive stop. But it's hard It's hard to put too much on Ryan Walters' crew. Yeah, they made some mistakes. But, man, just like last year, guys, it was you know, the defense had to make one more stop because the offense couldn't make uh, a, you know, score one more touchdown. And that's that's what's tough about the Bielema era so far is they're so close. They're competitive, right? Like, they have gotten competitive. 
But you got to win these games now. And they are now one in five in games decided by seven points or less uh, under Bielman. This one reminded you of Purdue, it reminded you of Maryland. Uh, games you're going to regret um, come you know the postseason, but also a game you're going to regret when it comes to ticket sales, a game you're going to regret when it comes to recruiting, because this felt like a golden opportunity uh, to build momentum. And you had to, you had to have so many mistakes to lose this game when I thought you were the better team through most of the game. Kind of in the same situation they were last year. They open up with a week zero win. They come back with a disappointing loss, to, and then they, well, they play Virginia. They haven't been able to win two games in a row yet. Yeah, <laughs> and they've, they've got Virginia coming up. This, this year's game, of course, is here on Saturday. Virginia returns a quarterback that shoot them up. It was also about that time after that loss that uh, Ryan Walters got the defense turned around. So how do, you, how do you size up the Virginia game? We haven't seen them play yet. They played today. Yeah, well, they're going to throw the ball around. They certainly have a talented quarterback. We saw that last year, and they returned most of their top wideouts. So, uh, Dontavian Wicks, I think, is an NFL player. Billy Kemp had a big game against Illinois last year. They don't have that tight end anymore, but um, uh, they, they have you know really good wideouts, really good quarterbacks. But they lost their entire offensive line, uh, basically transferred to other Power 5 programs. They lost uh, a lot in the transfer portal. And then you have new coaches. So, it'll be interesting, like, is that a good thing for them? For a six and what was a six and six team last year, or uh, you know, can Tony Elliott bring more, or is this going to be a team that takes some time to figure some things out? So, I think it's a game Illinois can compete in, unlike last year. And I think they're a far better defense than they were last year. The question is, can they score enough points? Because Virginia, I think, with those wideouts, is going to find a way to score. Like Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, and Quan Martin can't do everything for Illinois, so they got to get to the quarterback more, at least bring him down more. Uh, but uh, offensively, you just have to be able to score points. 20 points is not enough uh, to, to win games against Power 5 opponents. And, and Illinois just left so many points on the board. And it, turn it over at the 20-yard line. You turn it over at the 1-yard line. Uh, that stuff just can't happen. So I think it's a game they're capable of winning. Um, but if, if you want to build some program momentum here, uh, you can still get to 3-1 and one through four games, which I think a lot of people thought was the goal um, before you head into Big Ten play. But they don't have, like, Virginia's got weapons. So um, it, it's a scary one after such a, a disappointing loss. Like, you think if Illinois just finds one more play, you feel like you get away with one, you get away with some mistakes, you're 2-0, there's a lot of excitement. Um, you know, just one fewer play that you made just changes the tenor of, of how you feel about this game. Yeah, you and about the team, perhaps, uh, in the long yeah. run. You mentioned the crowd, and uh, they had issues uh, last week with getting the crowd in. Now you, you lose a disappointing game where you had hoped to win to, to kind of boost uh, the crowd participation uh, coming up. So who knows what we're going to see on Saturday. Yeah, and I can't blame fans, right? Like, I, I get it. It feels like the same old, same old Illinois. The thing I would say is it's not. It feels more cruel, right? It feels like more disappointing, more painful because you should have won. Like, this isn't one where you just got crushed by 28 points. Um, you know, this is one where you looked like the better team yet you found a way to lose. they got to figure out a way. And I asked Brett Bielema how you do that. He said, well, we're, our coaches, we've got to rely on the relationships we've built, probably have some pretty tough conversations with these guys. But it's, it, the, the one concern I had about this team, huge concern, was, was depth. And, and do you have enough changes personnel-wise? Do you have enough competitiveness uh, on the roster for these spots uh, to figure out like what is the best team we have? Uh, that's the struggle in, in a year two of a, of a rebuild like this is maybe you don't have enough pieces uh, to make the changes that you need to make. So that'll be interesting in the next couple of weeks. I'm concerned about uh, the penalties and the discipline penalties. You don't make a play, 
get up and make another play. Don't You don't need to talk about it or push a guy who, by the way, took so, one of the best dives I've ever seen. <laughs> wasn't that too, That was a fake. <laughs> but Yeah, Steve, like they've had those unsportsmanlike. I thought that was a weak one. Yeah. <laughs> Smith, I mean, these guys still should have a little fun. Uh, I'm fine if a guy celebrates a big play like that. But I think Illinois, given the history they've had, kind of, I don't know if they have a, a reputation or whatever, but they they need to they need to clean that stuff up because they're not a team that can afford those kind of penalties. Well, I don't know where we go from here. I think we're going to have a lot of games in the fourth quarter this year, and yep. and you're going to win some and you're going to lose some, and we just lost one that we should have won probably. But uh, yeah, I, now I, you got to find a way to steal one, right? Like, yeah, that's, you, that's you, you have that's to. You have to. Steal one. When you're dominating, you have to have. You also need points, and what they did is they dominated for the entire second half until the last two minutes and that was the only time that indiana even really threatened wasn't it and the, yeah they, they led for 27 minutes of the second half right yeah, well, as soon as they scored yeah they scored without too much trouble and then well that's just i don't i don't know what to say i mean it seems like uh, when i went to bed last night i said i thought it just seems like this we're just born to suffer <laughs> yeah and that's that's what brett bielman like that's what's so hard about every coach that comes in here is how do you change that like how do you change that and then how do you yeah. get the players here um that that believe that it can change when the history is just that illinois has this like this is what happens like that is the hard part of you know brett bielman was trying to sell four-star prospects that hey you come here you can make the difference while well, you guys haven't done it on, done it on the field right like that's that's what I think is such a blow about last night is I thought you had a great chance to get momentum. Even if you lose to Virginia, you start 2-0, and you sell that, you get to 3-1 and after beating Chattanooga, right? Like Then you feel like going into Big Ten play, we gave ourselves a chance. Uh, man, if, if they get behind the eight ball and lose to Virginia too, that's, that's just a really, really disappointing Well, here's the good news. I mean, physically, up front, Illinois was better in the offensive line, better in the defensive line, and better yep. in, in the tackling in the secondary. Now, I'm not yep. sure where the linebackers are right now uh, as far as the quality of play there. but uh, And arguably, they, they're the best on the field in Chase Brown. I thought their quarterback play was more consistent throughout the game. I know Basilak ended up with you know, 330 yards and a touchdown and a good drive. I didn't think he was very good most of that game. Uh, I mean, he had a great final drive, but I thought he had the better quarterback play for most of that game. So, yeah, that's, that's why it's so frustrating. I thought you were just a better team, and you found a way to lose. Hey, Jeremy, appreciate your time. Uh, drive carefully. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. You bet. Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We have a texter saying, are we jinxed, cursed, or just on triple secret probation? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just trying to win with, with, with transfers and average players who – most of whom won't be going to the NFL. That's and, and that's and, and their transfers. That's what Indiana did. Just this guy catches a camper. He catches a whole bunch of passes. What was it? Fifteen passes, and uh, I guess officially eleven. Eleven out for one hundred and fifty-six yards. That's a lot of yards. You know who he is? He's a guy, he's a guy from Texas, unrecruited, who went to Trinity Junior College, Community College, and then was. Was received a scholarship offer from New Mexico, which he accepted, and then he decommitted from New Mexico and went to Indiana. This is the, this is the guy that just burned Illinois last night. Nine thirty-two. We'll keep the conversation going. We'll take a break here. Feel free to join us. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We're back after this. 
Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk continues. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd uh, like to join us. A lot of uh, text activity, phone call activity on the ball game. Indiana 23, Illinois 20 last night in Bloomington. Jeff Rabjohns covers Indiana sports for pigs.com was at the ball game. Good to see you last night, Jeff. And that uh, turned out to be, depending on uh, the point of view of the fans, a pretty good football game, even though it took forever to play, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, definitely. Always good to see you, my friend. It was, uh, you know, from the Indiana standpoint, you know, it was, it was a really important season opener because Indiana, you know, uh, following the 2019 and 2020 season, you know, they go to back-to-back January bowl games and really kind of re-energized the fan base and um, got some of the, you know, skeptical, you know, fans back involved following the team. And then 2021 season, you know, the, uh, you know, the floor falls out, you know, nearly two dozen season ending injuries go two and 10, no big 10 wins. So a whole lot of IU fans were sort of, looking at this opener like, okay, prove to me I should still really be fully invested in this team, in this program. And so from that standpoint, for Indiana, it was a really big season opener. And to get a win, to do it in dramatic fashion, uh, was was really big for Tom Allen and his group. Well, Illinois had played a game, and uh, Brad Bielma talked this week about uh, a lot of teams make their uh, biggest improvement between game one and game two. Don't well, know. That didn't happen. It didn't happen in that game with Illinois with eight penalties on that. So that advantage didn't, uh, although it looked for a while like it might work out as uh, the defense buckled down a little bit in the second half and held uh, Indiana off the scoreboard until that last drive. Yeah, you know, I thought Illinois outplayed Indiana for somewhere around 50, 55 minutes or something like that, you know. Uh, Illinois had its ground game going, getting things between the tackles, getting things going outside. Um, you know, the passing game may not have been, you know, big time numbers, you know, around 230 some yards passing, but you know, there were timely passes, there were conversions of third downs. Um, and, and one thing that was really interesting to me was this, uh, you know, Brett Bielemaal, you know, still has, you know, remnants of um, the, the, the the blocking scheme, the running game that he had that he had when he had some of those really good Wisconsin teams. And that does really well moving the ball. It does. And, and Illinois, you know, there were times Illinois was just almost moving the ball at will uh, against Indiana. Um, and Tom Allen's defense understands with today's offenses, teams are going to move the ball. And it's not that you don't try to stop them, but – you know, his focus is a lot more on get key takeaways um, and then try to uh, force teams into getting field goals at times when they probably should get touchdowns. And uh, that, that was an interesting strategy battle going on last night, sort of kind of like the behind the scenes a little bit. Um, and I thought, you know, for a while there, you know, the, you know, Bielema's approach, you know, was, was certainly winning. And in the end, you know, Allen's approach, you know, ended up, you know, kind of winning the day. You know, certainly Indiana's goal line stop turned out to be a big deal. Um, and certainly the call that was overturned, 
um, the touchdown pass in the end zone where, where it looked like he had it. That was big too. But there were a lot of little things in that game going on behind the scenes um, that I thought were kind of interesting. But yeah, you know, um, the whole idea of making most uh, improvements between game one and game two, certainly uh, I was expecting to see a lot more from Illinois than we saw week one. You know, Illinois wins week one. Doesn't really have to show a lot. You know, they're, they're the basic package, you know, dominated, got to win. And so I thought watching that game on a replay on, on Tuesday and Wednesday, I thought, hmm, you know, Illinois didn't show a ton, but look at the score. They didn't need to. And uh, gosh, you know, what might they throw out in week two? So there was some intrigue going into the game for sure. Uh, Jeff, this is Lauren. What uh, what does it look like now going up? You got Western Kentucky, then Cincinnati, then Nebraska, and then Michigan. So uh, there's some tough ones coming up for uh, for Indiana. How do you think that? How do they stack up against Western Kentucky? Is this a, is this a good Western Kentucky team? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Idaho next, and then Western Kentucky. Um, so I think uh, for for Indiana, the biggest thing was. If they could win the, the season opener, you look at the next two against Idaho and Western Kentucky, okay. and you say, okay, it's reasonable to think they would have a chance to start 3-0. and um, And I think with the rest of their schedule, um, you know, the rest of the Big Ten East, which is, you know, a monster. I mean, Big Ten East team has won every Big Ten championship game that we've had so far. So that's going to be really tough. One of their crossover games is at Nebraska. Uh, well, their, one of their other non-conference games is at Cincinnati. You know, a team went, went to the college football playoffs just last year. So Indiana really needed to start 3-0 and to reasonably say, hey, you know, they got a chance to go to a bowl game. Well, that was the biggest thing for, for Indiana as far as practical implications of last night. Now, uh, how they stack up with their bigger opponents – you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm still not too sure. Uh, obviously, Indiana's offensive line had some trouble last night. Um, after four possessions, Indiana had negative five yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Shivers really couldn't get going. So, you know, Indiana has a number of things they have to fix um, moving forward. And, you know, looking at their offensive line, um you know, they do have a couple of good receivers, certainly, you know, Cam Camper, DJ Matthews. Can they get tied in AJ Barner going? Can they get some other guys going? You know, we'll see if they can make some improvements during the course of the year. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Indiana in the Big Ten East. You know, you look at that schedule that they have at Cincinnati, at Nebraska, at Rutgers, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, you know, home games, you know, with, with, with Michigan, Maryland, Purdue, and Penn State. You know, it, it's tough. It's going to be really tough sledding. But again, if they can keep their heads on straight over the next two weeks, beat Idaho, beat Western Kentucky, from the Indiana perspective, they would be sitting there three and zero, and a minimum halfway to the six wins you need to be bowl eligible. And certainly, after what IU went through last year, if they could just get to a bowl game, I don't think anybody cares. You know, go to the old weed eater. You know, com game from years ago. You know, I, I don't I don't think most IU fans care what bowl you go to. They just look at their team and say, okay, prove to me you still can get to bowl games. Let's talk a little bit about ba- Basilek. I, th- I thought uh, 
you know, all things. Here's a guy that threw for 2,500 yards last year, last year against for Missouri in the SEC, 16 touchdowns, over 60% completions. I, it looks to me like he's an okay quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate or anything, but it looks to me like he's, he's more than adequate for Indiana, isn't he? I, Lauren, I agree with you, and I, and I think so. And, you know, um, stuff you heard from, from spring camp, from the summer, from the fall, led you to believe, yeah, he should be solid. But until you see him in a game, you're not 100% sure, you know, how he works with, with the IU receivers. But, you know, I, I looked at, you know, some of his, you know, um, kind of being a dork, <laughs> went back and looked at some of his full games, online from when he was at Missouri, you know, they had a tough game against Arkansas and, and, you know, he, he had some tough moments in the second quarter and third quarter, but ended up making big plays in the fourth quarter and led him to a win. Um, there was another game. I can't remember the opponent. He did something similar. And I just remember thinking, man, you know, this guy, you know, is, is he Dan Marino back there from the standpoint of the arm strength? No, you know, um, but you know, he's got some moxie. He's got some ability to stay calm. He's got some ability to just not freak out, get off frazzled, do two or three stupid things and really cost his team. And he has the ability to function under duress. And, you know, you guys have watched enough college football, you know, there's a lot of guys who can go out there and make plays when their team's up 10, 10 points, 14 points, 21 points, whatever. Um, and there are other people who really can function under duress. That was one thing I saw about Connor Baselak. I thought, man, you know, Indiana doesn't have a great team. They got some good players, but, you know, they, they, they got some holes, too. And this guy's going to, you know, he's going to be, you know, under the gun at times. And I just thought he was a guy who could function under duress. And I think that was the biggest thing outside of, you know, he did make some really impressive throws. Certainly you got to make enough throws to be a starter in the big 10. You, you guys both know that. But the thing to me was sort of like the, the psychological, emotional makeup, the competitive makeup. Can you get something done when your team's down? When you, when you, when you had two or three drives, that kind of stunk. Can you get it going? And I think he showed what what he's capable of last night. Talking to Jeff Rabjohns from Indiana. What's new in the basketball world over there? Indiana getting a lot of preseason hype for the uh, Big Ten title. Anything uh, shaking? Everybody's back to school, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, everybody's back to school. Um, obviously, I think the, the, the two main topics right now um, – a lot of people look at look at Indiana's front court as as probably the best in the Big Ten, um, you know, with with Trace Jackson Davis, uh, preseason All American, uh, anchoring things at center, Race Thompson, six year power forward, uh, the addition of Malik Reno, uh five star uh, power forward from Montverde Academy down in Florida, um, and then Logan Duncan uh, from Cincinnati, Moeller, uh, now moving into. Uh, you know his his sophomore year. I think the front court's going to be really good. The back court, I think, should be solid. Um, could be really good. And the reason I say could be is uh, if starting point guard Xavier Johnson plays the way he finished last year, that's a really good player. That's an All Big Ten level player. Not necessarily first team, but the way he played down the stretch in the Big Ten tournament in the NCAA tournament, that's a really good point guard. 
And then you throw in five-star, six-foot-five Jalen Hutchino, uh, another freshman from Mount Bird Academy down there in Florida. And then you got a chance to have a really good backcourt. Um, and they also have some legit depth this year. Jordan Geronimo, Jamar Bates, and guys like that. So I, I think I think it's I think it's a pretty legit roster. Uh, the schedule is a little tougher when you look at uh, some of the uh, teams you play twice versus some of the teams you play once. So can Indiana win the Big Ten? I think the road is a little tougher than some people want to admit um, because I think early on people just look at talent and kind of compare talent and say, okay, I think Team A has a little more talent than Team B. Might be true, but you know, with the inbound schedule, that's something I think comes into play. So I, I think they should be really good. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think Illinois should be really good, too. I, Illinois had a tremendous season in the, in the portal. You know, getting some, some transfers in, so I, I think should be pretty impactful. So, um, you know, I, I, think, I, think, I think Illinois is going to be a good team as well. Hey, Jeff, good to catch up with you. Good to see you last night. We'll do it again soon. Uh, we're just getting going on football, and that'll flip right into basketball before you know it. Absolutely. Great seeing you, Lauren. Take care of myself. All take right. All right. I'm good to hear from you, and we'll be back to you. All right. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. You bet. That's Jeff Rabjohns. Covers Indiana sports. Peegs.com. P-E-E-G-S. Dot com. That's a guy that's been uh, with Indiana forever. Yeah. 948, open line up until the top of the hour and beyond. If you'd like to join us after we take this brief time out. <music> 951 here on the show, heading towards 11. Phone lines are open, and Marty is with us from Pinehurst. You talking football, baseball, something else, or all of the above? What's on your mind? Football and baseball both work. Well, um, lay it on us. Morning, Lauren. Morning, Steve. Morning. Hey, uh, do you really think the Brewers are going to keep fading and just hand the division to the Cardinals? Well. That's one question. Seems <laughs> like they're doing it. I don't. I don't think they're a great ball club. I think the Cardinals have got, have got a pretty good a seven and a half game lead in September. Is pretty good, but uh, yeah, I don't think that's being handed it. Um, yeah. It's contributing to it. But if the Cardinals weren't winning, they'd still be in the race. So the Cardinals are taking care of their business. Yes, they are. They're taking advantage of it nicely, and they sure made some good deals at the trade deadline, as they seem to often do. Even though we always look at the trades and go, "What did they do?" Anyway, uh, you know, I, uh, I remember quite well watching the Tyrone Wheatley uh, fumble Ruski game that uh, ushered in the Big Ten to do replay. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how you can have replay, and both Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman, and their former official who's their expert look at the same play and go, well, that's a touchdown. They're going to overrule that. And then they don't. Uh, wh- why have it if if uh, it's going to be if they're going to make that big a mistake? Because well, well, we just witnessed it, and there's no explanation for it other than yeah. no official called it on the field. That's the first thing. The officials were confused. They were they saw the ball come out later, 
And yeah. I'm I'm sure that maybe nobody had the right angle on it, you know, no, when he when he fell. Said the, the one guy that finally called incomplete was a side judge, and the receiver's back was to him, so he couldn't really see the action on the ball. All he saw was it came out after he was getting up. But the point is that, and Brando said at the time was critical to the game. Forget all the other mistakes, and I'm not saying the officials actually cost him the game, but you don't go for it on fourth and one if you got a five-point lead you kick the field goal and take an eight-point lead well it uh, change, it does change everything marty we know yeah. that I and mean, but it should have been a touchdown at the time it was in the second quarter the game was decided yeah. in the fourth quarter and, I and, know. and you know i i i understand I, I mean it changes everything it changes the way you call plays it changes the way they play I'm defense fine. it just changes everything but yeah, it should have been a touchdown it's yeah. ridiculous uh, to make a call like that and to blow it yeah, I don't understand how when you've got the angles in the replay that the replay official can blow that. I just don't get that. I don't either. Because, because they all looked at it. I'm mainly blind, but you you replay it slow enough, even I can watch it and see and go, <laughs> how do you miss that? You know? Anyway, disappointing. Uh, it's nice to see the defense playing better. I'm a little concerned that they fall in the same trap all the time of they go to three deep zone. And all Indiana does is throw little crossing routes underneath. And they'll keep doing that all the way down the field. And I coached, and I was an offensive coordinator, and that's what I'd do if I had that much time. And I don't understand why they didn't switch up from some of the three-deep zone but back to some of the, you know, free safety, man under. I'm a little confused why they just stick with something like that. Um bothered me a little bit and the long touchdown didn't bother me too much they got caught in the corner blitz and sometimes that's going to happen and when you're talking about tackles for losses Tom Allen has been a defense coordinator and a good one for a long time but he's a risk taker he's a multi-blitz throw him from different angles at you you're going to have tackles for loss when you play against him but you're also going to have big plays so all in all disappointing but boy it's a lot better team than it was two years ago well, I think that's right. I think the line play was pretty strong on both sides. But your oh, yeah. your point about uh, uh, Allen taking chances, uh, that's why they had 10 tackles for loss. Illinois, oh, yeah. I mean, that uh, – and yet there's also the reason why another guy ran for 199 yards. That's right. Well, so, Warren, you've you got to understand, when you you got inexperienced guys in the center of that line and you're playing against a guy that throws blitzes from different directions and, and brings players from different spots on the field, you're going to have tackles for loss. You expect that going in, try to minimize it, but you know you're also going to get that 199 if you've got a good running game, which they do. So it's it just it's sad. But I, the one positive I took out of the whole game was the kid that we were real unsure about as a field goal kicker made a real gutsy long field goal. Mm-hmm in a real pressure situation, and we're going to need that later in the year. So that's a positive. Yeah, it was a big kick. Did you yeah. want him to kick? Did you want him to kick a field goal, or did you want to punt uh, there? I'm kind of like you. I, I'm like the old coach, and he says, no, 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 pooch it down there. And, oh, he made it. Great. Good decision. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Because I – I was fearful. Last... I was fearful of them taking the ball over on our, yep. on the thirty yard line and only yep. needing to go forty five yards or so to get a field goal to win the game. If we if we I'll, were only led by one, I'll, I'll tell you what might have made the difference. If Blake Hayes would have still been the punter, they probably would have pooch punted. Well, I I, you know, I don't know. It, he I don't stick it inside the five. Yeah, well, one point lead. You only have to get down to the thirty five yard line. You're you're in field goal range. I know. 
I know, but the defense had played so well up to then, he was willing to take that risk, I think. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'd like to get inside Bielman's head. And I, I, what I'd really like is for you guys to be able to – couldn't you guys just promise not to write about any secrets and go to practice so you'd have a better idea of what they're doing? <laughs> no, I, would, like. I, some wouldn't, of us, some I wouldn't know good. any more about it if I went to practice. <laughs> anyway, great show. Uh, you've got a good list of guests, and uh, I enjoy it, as always. Thank you. Thanks, Marty. We appreciate right. the call. Take right. care. Bye-bye. 9.57 is the time. Got a texter asking about uh, Josh McCray and how long he's out. Uh, a few weeks yet. Uh, it would not be before the bye week at the earliest, Brett Bielma said this week. And another texter uh, mentioned it was not Tyrone Wheatley on the fumble. It was Anthony Thomas, okay. the Michigan running back. Two pretty good Michigan running backs that uh, were separated by a half a dozen years or so at Michigan. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was surprised when he said Ty Wheatley. I thought yeah. but I just let it pass. Yeah. I, I was thinking, too, and I don't think that's right, but I, yeah, I right. wasn't coming up with Anthony Thomas, yeah. but that's who it was. 9.58 is the time as we uh, wrap up our number one. David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago will join us to talk. He watched the Illinois game last night. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about uh, the White Sox and the Cubs and the Bears and whatever else might be on his mind. We'll keep the phone lines open during that segment if you'd like to jump in. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, back with hour number two. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to hour number two on the morning after the first Big Ten game for the Fighting Illini on the football field. A 23-20 loss to the Indiana Hoosiers at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington late last night. Team getting back uh, 3.30 this morning or so and to get ready to uh, start preparations for Virginia. David Kaplan joins us from Chicago. David, did you have a chance to uh, see any of that football game? I did a little bit. I'm up in Wisconsin with my family, so we went. We saw a little bit of it because my son went to Illinois and my other son's fiance went to Illinois, so they wanted to make sure we checked in on the fighting Illini. And I, I've told you before, I think Brett Bielema was the right guy at the right time. So we'll see where this whole thing goes. Well, they're kind of in the same position they were last year. They had a big week zero win, then stumbled in week two, and Virginia was the next game on the schedule, and that's the case uh, next Saturday at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Chance for them to bounce back and get to two and one. We'll see what happens, but uh, um, certainly disappointing because Illinois outplayed Indiana much of the game. Yeah, they had absolutely had every chance uh, to win that game, but let's also not forget and lose sight of 
you know, where it was when Brett came in and where it's got to go. And, you know, you're going to see a team that's in the same league play tonight that I think is going to, and I hope they do, eviscerate Notre Dame tonight uh, in Ohio State. So that's the level that you're competing against. So that's the level eventually, not today, that you're trying to get to. I don't know if you guys saw what C.J. Stroud did, uh, but obviously with the NIL money, yeah. name, image, and likeness, he's, he, he, every single guy, walk-on, scholarship, whatever on the roster, he gave each guy a $500 gift card to go buy a new suit <laughs> at one of the stores there so they could all come into work like it's a business trip and ready to go to crush Notre Dame. So. It's and a that, different world today than when I was coaching. That just gives you a hint of how much Stroud actually has received <laughs> that he can give away that much, right? Yeah, I'm, I saw the story. I mean, okay, what is there, 90 people on that roster with walk-ons? So, I mean, you know, that's $45,000 that he was able to gift to his teammates. And, I mean, I think back to when I had Kenny Battle and all these guys and they were scraping to get money for a pizza. And it's just such a different world today uh, what these kids are getting I saw the kid that signed at Miami of Florida he signed with them for nine and a half million dollars he's a uh, highly recruited quarterback and he turned 11 million down from Florida (laughs) well you're suggesting that this was offered as an enticement that's illegal don't you know that David Oh, yeah. Nobody's getting to these kids and saying, hey, you sign, I'll give you this deal. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Good for the kids. I wish we could get it. Well, uh, I might take you off of uh, Illinois uh, football for a minute and and see what the the Bears are doing. I see that the CEO, Ted Phillips, is going to retire after this year. Is there – after 40 years – is there uh, is there a chance that someday the bear uh, the, the bears and the line are are mimicking each other too much these days? Yeah, they are absolutely mimicking each other. And look, the bears have their eyes on a bigger prize, and that is getting their stadium built. The value of their franchise is now worth five point two billion dollars, billion. And if they get the stadium deal done, and they're going to, it's there is less than zero that they're staying at Soldier Field, and they're going to show the plans of what everything's going to look like. And that franchise then, once they tie a sports gambling deal to it, the stadium, the restaurants, everything that will go into that experience, and then being able to use the stadium for other events, franchise value will go north of $10 billion. Oh, it's boy. insane, but that's what it will be. And now you've got to find a way to win football games. And, you know, I like Matt Eberflus. I like Ryan Poles. But we'll see. This is not going to be a really good year on the field. And I know people call my show, you're just a hater. I'm not being a hater. I'm just being honest. When you take over a roster last January that had 73 guys under contract, and now there's 22 of them left, you didn't spend much money in free agency. You didn't have a first-round draft pick, and you picked up five guys off the scrap heap that got released the other day. That that tells you where your roster depth is. So any kind of injury, and they're in real trouble. And I still think it's you know a five and twelve team, something like that. Well, what uh, what do you see uh, turning that around? Because a stadium isn't necessarily going to make the players better. 
And that's no. going to be way down the road. Anyway, how many years will it take for, for them to build a stadium in Arlington? I would think that they're playing there like 25, 2025, 20, something like that, maybe 26, and then they'll have to write a check to get out of the remainder of their lease at Soldier Field. But, you know, to you and I, it's stupid money, 80-some million dollars to them when you're worth $5.2 billion. That's nothing. That's you know, pocket money. By the way, so, you wouldn't see another team coming into Soldier Field, would you? Well, the, the Bears would have to give approval because they own the rights to the area, oh. like Dallas. So they would have to now. Could the commissioner say, hey, we are moving a team? They can do anything they want because if you remember, when the rumors were first out there that the Bears were going to buy Arlington Heights and uh, Arlington Racecourse, uh, Mayor Lightfoot came out, why don't you just try to play relevant football in October? They have a lease. They're not going anywhere. And it was the st- she does a lot of things that drive a lot of people crazy. That was the stupidest thing she ever said. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's the National Football League. It's, it's crazy how much money is at stake. And quietly they said, uh, Mayor, yeah, stop. <laughs> You're not going to be able to stop this. It's a downhill freight train, and it's exactly what happened. They bought the le- the, le- the lease on the land. They're going to show their plans. They'll go through all the hearings, and you know the different groups don't want certain things, and then they'll eventually get it done. They'll throw money here and money there, and the deal will be done, and we'll be talking in a few years how beautiful that stadium is. Talking to uh, David Kaplan. Works in NBC Sports in Chicago. What's the latest on Tony Larusa? So, from what I was told, he's being treated by his personal physicians at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, he was out on the field. He was talking to Rick Hahn. They were laughing. Tony looked fine. Then he met with the media, did his media session, went into his office to change to get ready to manage the game from his pregame clothes to his. Uh, uniform and his phone rang and it was his doctor we got some test results we just hung up with your general manager you're not managing tonight yes i am no you're not and then rick Hahn walked in and said you can't manage and so they took him to the hospital they ran a couple tests and then he flew to arizona the next day and he's being treated there and he's out indefinitely do i think he's going to return uh i don't know i don't know what his health status is today Sox have said he's stable. He's, you know, he's not. I don't think he is, you know, in dire shape right now. But he's definitely got something going on, and it's heart related, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. So we wish him all the best. They, look, they win tonight with Dylan Cease on the hill. They have a chance that the Guardians lose to Robbie Ray in Seattle to wake up tomorrow two games out of first. I don't think anybody saw them picking up four games in like five days, but they have if they do that tonight. So we'll see where it goes. Okay, well, any thoughts about the Cubs before we let you go? Bad, bad, bad. But I do think there is reason for optimism because they have Justin Steele, who I think will be definitely a part of their rotation going forward. I think Keegan Thompson has a chance to be part of that rotation. Marcus Stroman should be better next year than he was this year, and he's had his moments where he was really, really good. Kyle Hendricks says that he will be ready to rock and roll, so there's a veteran really? probably at this stage 
the back of his, of the rotation, but you know he won't pitch the rest of this year, so hopefully he can give them something next year. And then you have a ton of pitching depth in the system, and then you have to go out and spend money this offseason, attract the best available free agent starter you can get, and then you have to continue to develop this team. They're not as far away as people think. It's just, you know, they're up the other day over Toronto 4 nothing. You blink and they lose the game because they just, the bullpen, they traded away four guys. It's just a bad bullpen now. It's a bad situation where they're at. But the thing that's most infuriating, this isn't the Royals. This isn't Detroit. This is freaking Chicago. I mean, you got a billionaire family that owns you and you're rebuilding for the second time in a decade. That is patently ridiculous. By the way, um, I hear they got a catcher that the Cardinals are interested in. <laughs> what do you know about Contreras? Yeah, if Wilson Contreras ends up in a Cardinals uniform, I'm going to puke. Because there's <laughs> no team in sports that I despise more than the St. Louis Cardinals. And I have all the respect in the world, Lauren and Steve, for them. Well-run organization. They don't rebuild. They never rebuild. They may not make the playoffs every year. But they certainly aren't rebuilding. But when you look at their way they do business, the way we do business, and then perhaps Wilson Contreras is going to be wearing the frickin' bat with the birds on it? Oh, God. Well, I mean, he doesn't uh, – uh, in other words, they have no control over him when the season's over, do they? I mean, he'll just go to the highest no, they, bidder? Yeah, they can tag him with the qualifying offer, which will be around 19, 18 to $19 million. They haven't set the final number. Uh, and that means a team that signs them is going to have to give up some type of draft pick compensation, or the Cubs at least will get a draft pick for him. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want this guy. People tell me, well, he's intense, and sometimes he's tough to get along with. That's a joke. Come on. This guy's a three-time All-Star. He's going to have a 20-some home run season. He's got the best arm in the National League, and we're going to let him go down to St. Louis and replace Molina. And we've got to play against that, and we're trying to win. And we don't have, you know, some amazing catcher in the system that you go, well, this guy's ready to play, and he's going to be an all. We don't have that guy. So what they're doing, I don't know on that position. What about uh, minor league call-ups by the Cubs? That uh, maybe some players that uh, they might call up to play some this September. Yeah, they've got a bunch of young kids that are already up there. You've got Nelson Velasquez is there. I mentioned Justin Steele, who he was sidelined for a start with a back issue. But they have a number of kids that are on the cusp, but I don't think you're going to see here. Matt Mervis, Pete Crow Armstrong is the number one prospect in their system and probably top 40 in all of baseball. He's the kid they pilfered the Mets for him, for Javi Baez, and that was – the Mets wanted Contreras at the trade deadline, but they were not going to get pilfered again. That was their number one draft pick a year ago, and then they're trading him to the Cubs for a guy they kept three months and didn't re-sign. Yeah, that turns out to be a great trade for the Chicago Cubs, and he will be their leadoff man and their center fielder, if not next season, certainly in 2024. David Kaplan, we appreciate your time. Enjoy your uh, time off up in uh, Wisconsin, and we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. Ready to crank it up on Tuesday, preview Bears Niners. So <laughs> yeah, we, we want to know about the Bears. I'm an old Bears fan, but I'm, I'm not, I don't have my hopes very high. I don't either. You call anytime, Lauren. You know you're my guy. All right. See you later. Thanks, Bye-bye. David.
David Kaplan with us from NBC Sports Chicago. 10.14 is the time. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. We'll take a time out. I'll be back with more after this. Ten sixteen. A lot Saturday sports talk. Steve Kelly, Lord Tate, with you until eleven o'clock. Lots of games today, Steve. To take our mind off of the game last night, right? Yeah, we're <laughs> going to talk more about the game last night uh, with Scott Ritchie, who uh, got a wake-up call from me this morning. How you doing, Scott? I am doing okay, <laughs> as far as you know, right? Yeah, just just okay, I think. I'll tell you what, I want to uh, give a shout-out to, to you and to uh, Matt Daniels and the whole gang at, uh, on the newspaper side for as much information about last night's game that you managed to get in the paper. Because one thing I think about during a four-hour game, I think about my friends on, on the newspaper side with those deadlines. But uh, you, you got quite a bit in there and uh, told the story very well. Yeah, well, uh, we got an extension on the deadline, so uh, that's the reason I think we got anything in you know, the paper and uh you know it was a interesting time as i was you know basically writing two of everything you know for that game one for an Illinois win one for an Illinois loss right had to rewrite some stuff there at the very end and but you know the team effort we got the coverage in the paper and we'll have more uh and you know sunday's news gazette this uh maybe a little bigger picture outlook uh, both for myself and Bob Osmussen and you know, the coverage uh, of a strange game you know, will continue. How do you go about getting an extension to the deadline? You got to twist somebody's arm. You got to negotiate. How does that work? Well, it's it, it's allowable under the contract. A few. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, we just give a certain number. Yeah, we can request an extension. You know, just for a, a year. Um, I think most of them we use on uh, Illinois basketball for tip-offs that they're like 8, 8.30. Um, but uh, night football games, if we want anything in the paper, hardly we have to get an extension because uh, college football games last seemingly forever. Well, those uh, <laughs> those uh, network commercial breaks in the game last night were three minutes long, each one. So that, that makes a three-hour game a four-hour game right there. Plus... With the uh, reviews on the, on certain plays, that just adds to the the misery, uh, I guess, of of watching a game. They're still reviewing that touchdown pass, aren't they? <laughs> well, they probably should keep reviewing it because I I would agree with Brian Hightower that he caught a touchdown there that first one. I mean, he ended up getting it was score later in the game, but he probably should have had two. Oh yeah, I mean they just missed it, and it happens. But uh, I want to congratulate you on almost picking the score exactly. But let me here's my question to you: If you had to pick, if the two teams played again next Friday night in Indiana, who would you pick to win? I would probably pick Illinois. Absolutely, absolutely. Illinois is a better team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty clearly. Really, it just it took every last one of those mistakes and. A interesting play call choices for Indiana to actually win that game. I mean, Illinois gave them literally every single opportunity. 
Um, they, and they didn't really capitalize until you know that final drive. Uh, but I think Illinois, as is, is probably a better team. We'll see, you know, what that means moving forward. But they just a huge missed opportunity last night in Bloomington. I mean, you know, it was a Big Ten road win for the taking, and they just put it up on a platter and said, "Here, Indiana, it's yours." Yeah, and it's not as though Illinois hasn't played well on the road. They beat Penn State on the road. They beat Minnesota on the road last year. And this is a very much the same team, especially in the secondary. I mean, it, it's not the same team overall, but it's, it's certainly in the secondary. You've got some guys that have played a lot of football, and I thought for the most part with a couple of breakdowns, which I, I, I don't want to overlook, but for play after play, they, they, they did a, a good job. I, I mentioned 27 tackles by the four starting defensive backs. That's a lot. And they weren't uh, they weren't modest tackles either. They were they were really hitting people. Yeah, well, I think Devin Witherspoon enjoys hitting people as hard as he possibly can, and he just you know, he got beat. I think on one play, but otherwise he's had a really solid night, um, except for and this is sort of applies to the defense as a whole. That last drive where it was just too easy for Indiana. I mean. Yeah, open wide receivers, and not only that, but on the perimeter so they can get out of bounds, stop the clock because they didn't have any timeouts left. And I mean, yeah. it's just it was a little too cautious, I think. You know, just a sort of a you know, please, oh please, don't let them score instead of we're going to make sure they don't score. I don't think you can uh, count on thirty six carries from Chase Brown all season long, but uh, certainly. He's off to a great start with, uh, what, about uh, 350 yards in two games and getting uh, 199 last night. But uh, 36 carries might be a little much uh, to average, but uh, certainly hats off to him for the start he's on. Yeah. Um, And, like, he'll take all 36. He wants to be out there. But, I mean, for a position that I guess everyone sort of assumed had some depth, um, doesn't look like they trust Chase Hayden or Reggie Love that much, and they, they, Reggie Love got more opportunity, not many more, than Chase Hayden. Uh, but they just couldn't move the ball. Um, you know, Chase when Chase Brown wasn't out there, you know, that offense kind of you know, stalled out. So uh, imagine they're hoping for a, as quick a return as possible for Josh McCray. I don't know that it will be quick, but yeah, you, I don't think you can keep giving Chase Brown the ball 36 times a game in the Big Ten. That's just a... It's, it's just a lot a of hits, out. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, because every time a running back touches the ball, for the most part, unless they score, they're getting hit, they're getting taken to the ground, and uh, that's, a, that's a tough life to live. Well, some of the uh, news yesterday, as we all were preparing for a game, uh, concerned the college football playoff and the expansion uh, works or steps being taken for... 12 teams. Have you had a chance to think much about that? And uh, what are your thoughts about it? I mean, I'm, I think they needed to expand it. Uh, I think 12 is better than 8. I think 16 would be perfect. I like symmetrical things a little bit better. Just, you know, just not the way my brain works. But uh, I think it just makes it more interesting. And they're, I mean, the same teams that have been in it will still be in it, but there will be some new teams, and maybe there's some upsets. And it's just it adds a, maybe a little more drama to the 
to the playoff, and that's that's good. And maybe well, there'll be you know, someone besides Alabama or Clemson or Georgia. Well, regardless of who wins the playoff ultimately, what this does by allowing 12 teams, and we don't know which year this is going to be. It could be sooner than we think. But um, I know they're going to negotiate that in the next coming days as to when they actually, what year they actually start this. But the main thing, and particularly for teams like Penn State and Iowa and Wisconsin, this breathes new life into their program because all you got to do is finish in the top twelve, and 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 you're going to be in the playoff. I mean, there's going to be more than one Big Ten team. There's going to be more than one SEC team every year, multiple teams, without a doubt. Yeah. And you can say there will be more than just Ohio State mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. I mean, and I, I know Michigan obviously you know, did win last year and make the playoff, but it's been Ohio State or nothing for the Big Ten, and it's good for it'll be good for the conference to get probably two, if not three, you know, teams in the playoff every year. Well, Illinois needs a bounce back uh, game. Uh, Virginia comes to town. We'll learn more about Virginia. Well, maybe. In their game today, they play uh, later this afternoon. But uh, they, what we do know, they have a new coach, but they also have the same quarterback that kind of carved up the Illini defense last year. Yeah, yeah, Brendan Armstrong pretty much did what he wanted, you know, last year in Charlottesville. Now he doesn't have uh, Jelani Woods anymore, his you know, giant tight end who just seemed to be wide open down the seam, you know, that entire game. Uh, but he's still got some weapons. I'm, I'm curious to see what Tony Elliott does. I mean, you know, he stayed at Clemson for so long, him and Brent Venables both, uh, waiting for head, the right head coaching opportunity. Obviously, he thought it was Virginia, so we'll see what uh, they can do. But, you know, Brendan Armstrong, this is something Brett Bielman mentioned you know, last night, is like, Elliott oh, really hasn't faced uh, a great running quarterback yet. I mean, Wyoming's quarterback ran. I think it was more for his life sometimes than anything. But, you know, Brendan Armstrong can we'll tuck and run some. And he's, he's dangerous. And we'll see if, uh, you know, this version of the Illinois defense can maybe show a little more than last year's version did at Virginia. Any thoughts about the uh, the, the fact that the, the line have only had one sack in two games? It looked like they were getting some pressure on on Basilac last night, I thought. I mean, they were coming after him, but they just couldn't catch him. Yeah, and I think you know, Johnny Newton had most of that pressure mm-hmm. uh, by himself. Uh, but like you know, talked with him after the game, and he mentioned, like, yeah, he, he's getting the pressures, but it didn't matter because he couldn't, you know, maybe finish that play and, and get the sack. And I mean, eventually, you have to have, you know, pressure on the quarterback. Just, because, and it makes a difference in college football because 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old quarterbacks are prone to mistakes if they're you know, not in a perfect situation. And Illinois just hasn't gotten enough of that and you know, didn't get enough that final drive and just kind of let Connor Basilek do his thing. And you know, he completed seven passes you know, in that 12-play drive and just marched them downfield. So I think it's a concern, just the, the lack of overall pressure so far. Um, and I think it's notable that you know, without Owen Carney, without Isaiah Gay, they're just not getting a ton off the edge. 
from you know the outside linebackers. Another couple of minutes with Scott Ritchie, who also is the beat writer for Illinois basketball. Anything shaking there? The guy's back doing some workouts as uh, they get set to uh, open the practice coming up later on in the fall. What what are you hearing? Yeah, well, they're in the eight hours per week stage right now, and then I think, you know, official practices for the coming season start uh, roughly, yeah, just a little more than three weeks, and then they can up you know, up that to twenty hours per week. But uh, I guess the big thing right now and I'm not sure how much this is going to impact the team because I don't know how much Zachary Perrine is going to maybe play or have an impact, but he's not here yet. Um, I talked with Brad Underwood right before the school year started and said that there's just lots of paperwork that has to be completed you know, to get international students you know, not only enrolled, but you know in the country. So it's uh, still an ongoing process, I guess, and we'll see what happens on, on that front. Is that possible that he won't be available till December and January? I mean, the longer it takes for him to get here, I, yeah, I think that could be the, the case. Maybe it's a, a mid. Because I don't know, like, academically, if he's got, like, online classes where he can do those while he's not here. But if not, then he's obviously missed. You know, he's already missed two weeks. Already. Yeah, and maybe it's a, a mid-year enrollment instead. Well, I mean, I just don't know, but that I think that has to be, you know, considered at least. Hey, Scott, good work. Appreciate the uh, the time this morning. We'll see you here in another day or two as we uh, get ready for another football game against Virginia. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. But Scott Ritchie with the News Gazette covering football and basketball. It's ten thirty, and if you've been uh, thinking about replacing the doors or windows in your home. How about a trip to the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? That will help clear up what could be an overwhelming situation. Mike Mary and the team at uh, the Pella Window Store have been fixtures in this community for a long time now, decades. There are many choices in windows and doors, and the Pella Window Store has all kinds of samples in their showroom. They'll not only help you uh, decide what's best for you, they'll stand by them with a limited lifetime warranty as well. Illini Pella offers one-stop shopping. You'll see the products, and if you don't see uh, in the store what you uh, are looking for, they'll show it to you on their website. You can talk about uh, the installation plans and financing if that's uh, a factor for you. Give them a little lead time, though, in uh, these days and times. And window and door shopping is not something you do every day, and you want to do, you don't want to do it quickly. You want to get it right. So do your research, set your budget, work with the pros at the Pella Window Store. Then you can show off your new windows and doors to family and friends. That's 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, Saturday by appointment. They also have locations in Danville, Decatur, and Bloomington. Check them out online, too, at PellaOfChampaign.com. It is 10.32, a break. We'll continue with an open line if you'd like to join us. If you're just waking up from a late night and want to talk about the ball game, feel free to join us after this. It is 10.34, and this is Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. With that guy over there, Lauren Tate, and yours truly, Steve Kelly. Open line, 217-356-9397. 
Well, what are we going to do, Steve, get people come out for that Virginia game? Because of all the problems we had last week against Wyoming trying to get people in the stadium and the problems with the concession stands, and then you lose a ball game. <laughs> Is that a perfect combination? for? And do you realize, did you see that in the paper the other day, that the list of this turnstile versus the number of tickets sold, that every game for the last five years, that we, it doesn't include 2020 when no fans came, those five years, there's between ten and 25,000 people with tickets who did not attend every game between 10, every game, at least 10,000 people. 10 to 12,000, Which yeah. means that if you decided to give away tickets, just give away tickets, free tickets, how many people would come when people with tickets won't come? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I just wonder about that. I mean, what, what does it take? Well, I'll answer your first I mean, we've question. We've got a lot of loyal people that are buying tickets. I'll answer your first question. The Losing the game last night didn't help. Oh, well, neither, neither did the, did the experience. I mean, right. I, I talked to somebody this week, and I will not tell you who it was. And this person said, I'm never going to another Illinois game after that experience. She said, and this is a person uh, who uh, has, has gone, went to the game and spent 30 minutes trying to get in the game, missed the initial part of the game, got there 20 minutes early and couldn't get in in time to see the first touchdown. And uh, then went down to the concession line and, and told me that she saw – six concession lines all too long for her to get in <laughs> that she wasn't going to get in. I know. I mean, I know maybe we're spoiled. I, I you know, probably. And maybe we're overreacting to say you're never going to do something again is pretty. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, that's right. But I will say that those who, there's a reason why uh, Josh Whitman felt it necessary to make a formal Apology, I would call it, would you call it an apology to the fans yeah, sure. over mm-hmm. the experience? And it, it really hurts. And, and the, the, the thing that bothers me is I look out there and see all those people across the street in the, uh, you know, not in Grange Grove, but across the street from Grange Grove that are at are tailgating and not coming to the game. They've, they've got t- big TVs. You see six, eight, 10, 12 people around the TV watching the game from there. And the people that are and over there. That are coming to the game are going through Greens Grove. Yeah, and that uh, that's where up. the pileup yeah. is. I think we have a call on uh, line one. Let's uh, put that person on the air. Go ahead, you're with us. Yes. Good morning, guys. Hi. Yeah, I, I just want to make a couple observations from the game last night, and maybe a question. Uh, first of all, the the post game news conference. It was it was nice to see a guy that could articulate uh, the game and, and, and Belima I think is, is going to be a great coach for years to come uh, versus the prior uh, coaching staff. I'd like to make that comment. And number two, I missed the first part of the show, but did he, did, did you guys talk about the uh, not kicking a field goal there in a tough big 10 game? And then the other observation is on TV, that was definitely a touchdown uh, that they, they missed that big time on the replay. And how how could they miss that on a replay? I just don't understand how if that goes to New York or Chicago well, or wherever. I don't going. know how they could do it. They had the problem is always that you have to overturn something that the officials call when actually Steve they didn't even really call anything. I don't think the guys knew what happened. Right. The, uh, they that, did. That pro- shouldn't matter though. What they call it's it's what happened on the replay. And the replay, I agree with you. I agree with you. I. Not, that's exactly I mean, right. And the announcers didn't even announce it, but after he got back up and the ball 
you know, came loose, he still caught it with his feet inbounds. Well, it was a touchdown before that. It well, was, it was, it was, it, well, that's okay. <laughs> if he, yeah. If he, if he lost control of the ball, they showed he actually caught the ball with his two feet still in bounds to secure the second part of it. It would, it would have been a touchdown twice. Yeah. Well, Lawrence's point was it doesn't matter when the ball comes out after he catches it. If he's in the end zone, it was a touchdown. Once he hits the ground yeah. with the ball firmly in his possession, it is a touchdown. It doesn't matter. And a, t- and a tie goes to the receiver. The call, on the, the call on the field was incomplete pass. That doesn't matter. It was 100% overturnable that he caught it for a touchdown. So what, yeah. It wouldn't have mattered if he called it incomplete or a touchdown on a replay. That should have been 100% a touchdown. I, 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 don't, I don't understand how they missed that. And is there no, gonna be some we, we, we agree on that. Here, here's the problem that I see. Bill, Bilma is doing his very best to bring some re, uh, level of discipline to the Illinois program. And last night, the discipline slipped. And I don't know if it's because of the crowd. I don't know if it was the situation. But when you have uh, 10 tackles behind the line and you have eight penalties and you have guys doing silly stuff and drawing celebration penalties when you're, you're in a tough ball game, it's, it's insane. And, and I know that, that, that it really hurts Bielma because he's trying to, to take this. I mean, there's an attitude about that you develop after you've lost year after year, and Illinois still has that attitude. I mean, it was well, on display true. for us, and that's what happened. And the other, the other thing that's on display is when the chips are down, you have to come up with a stop in the final drive. You're going to lose, lose a lot of games. You can't win every game by more than six points. And so when you got when you got a lead, you got to hold it. Yeah, I, I think I also like you said in the Big Ten, if you get a fourth and one, uh, you know, down in uh, in the four or five yard line, you know, Illinois' passing game is still, you know, debatable. But they're going to try to run the ball in with Chase Brown. I, I mean, how, how how can you not take three points in that situation? Well, I. I... <laughs> The answer is that if you see it a thousand times, which it'll happen that many times this year in pro football and college football, it'll happen. And 500 times they'll try to go for it, and the other 500 they'll kick a field goal. I mean, it's a toss-up. I don't know what's the right yep. call. I'm not going to. Yep. I'm not going to say that we lost the game because of that. That's that's true. It just I, you know you're uh, you know. I mean, Monday it's it's a it's a debatable decision, Steve. What do you do? Fourth and one. What should we do? I'm not a well, coach. It wasn't fourth and one. It wasn't fourth and one. Yes, it was. It was. No, they were almost at the two-yard line, Lawrence. You look at okay. the Okay, okay, okay. Fourth and two. Well, it was the listed. difference between fourth and one and fourth and two. Okay, okay. Fourth and five feet. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, in, in any event, I, I do like believing on the sidelines. He looks like he's involved in the game. He's taking notes. He's not erratic like Beckman, but he's also, you know, into the game with the officials and patting guys on the back, unlike Lovey Smith. So I think I think they got the right demeanored coach on the sidelines for this program. So, Eric, you're in uh, Maryland. Uh, did you go to the U of I? Yes, I did, back in the 80s. So, so you're watching uh, Big Ten football down there, and uh, how's up? Uh... Well, I got a I got a I got a son at Maryland. I got a son at West Virginia, and I got a daughter at Florida. So I've got almost every major conference represented. I got one more left, and I'm trying to talk her into going to the Pac-12. So we'll see. <laughs> if there still is a Pac-12, right? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey. uh, that's another debate. In Washington and Oregon, they need to find a home. They're probably they 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 probably feel pretty left out out there. You know, those are two good programs that don't have anywhere to go right now. Yep. Hey, we appreciate the time. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you. You bet. Ten forty-two is the time. A break, and we're back with more. We'll keep the phone lines open, 217-356-9397 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thank goodness for the end of that commercial break as Lauren was singing during the break coming out, so I'm glad we're back live and in person. Are you going to carry on that song now that we're born to lose on the air? You, you know that song, don't you? That, that old country song, Born to Lose? Yeah, I do. But That's I me. I was born to lose. I want to hear you say it. So, <laughs> just go to, back to the phones, a couple of calls. Sam, go ahead. You're on the air with us. Good morning, guys. Hey, I enjoy your show. One thing I wanted to mention, um, I went to the Wyoming game, and what was kind of frustrating, not talking about the game itself, but just getting into the stadium. <laughs> uh, we went through the west side, through the uh, um, Grange Grove, and I've, I've often thought, and I'm hoping whenever they do the uh, redo the south end zone, that they'll figure out a way to get more people in quicker. Um, I love uh, going to Illinois games. It was only the uh, it was the first one I've gone to uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, I love the whole experience about it, but there's just some little things that I think they can do to make it uh, an overall better experience. My biggest uh, hope is that when they redo the south end zone, that they'll have more fans closer um, to be involved and to generate more noise. I mean, being in the stadium, I kind of walked around all the different places, um, and it's such a beautiful stadium that I think if we could finish the south end zone, make it more of a uh, hostile environment, I think you're going to see better results. And two, uh, you talk about fans going to the game, Illinois needs a signature home win um, to kind of carry us through. And I'm trying to remember, when was the last time we had a really a really good signature home win in the last 10 years? Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And we need more of those. We, we don't need one every other year. We need them you know, every year. And I think that's really going to help things turn around. It certainly would like help, but that's, that's, that's where they're falling short. They're not yeah. winning at home. They're not winning at home. And I've, I've thought that for years. It's like we just don't win enough at home. We get some of these road wins, which is great. But if we could ever get the home wins, I think things could turn around. Well, you're asking, a t- you're asking for a turnaround by a program that is not getting the best players. And yes. I hate to bring that up, but, I mean, if you look at recruiting, year after year, Illinois is way back. Now, they've got some transfers. And it's true. I mean, Chase Brown's a transfer. DeVito's a transfer. We've got transfers all over the team. Two guards are transfers. Actually, one of them played tackle in this game. But I'm just saying, uh, you, you got the, only, what, the only way this can ultimately ever work is for you, you to get some wins that you maybe didn't expect. You've got to – you got to pull off some things that are surprising in order to get better players here. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't, and, and the, the tough part right now, and I'm repeating myself, I know, if, if you are a recruit and you walk in the stadium and you look in the stands, and in the Northwestern game, we actually had a, 
10,000 or 11,000 11, yeah. 11, actual people in the turn, coming through the turnstiles. 11,000. We had more people than that at the basketball game. Yes. I mean, I, I, it's, it's a really tough, tough situation. We've got the right people running it. And, and, and I thought last night the complaints uh, on the postgame show about, you know, well, the defensive coach made all those mistakes. We got one of the best defensive coaches in the country. And we yeah. got we got a a, a guy a Lunny I think is, a, is an outstanding offensive coach but we don't have the best players <laughs> I mean <laughs> we just don't <laughs> yeah hey Lauren have you heard uh, from Josh Whitman at all about any updates for the South End Zone Oh uh, I think I that, that's no I think there that's millions and millions of dollars uh, to move that whole to move that whole structure in as it is on the North End. That's a major, 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 major thing. I don't know. I, I suppose you can say they, if they, they'd have to, they'd have to get the money lined up through donations. I guess. Yeah, I think he was smart to redo or do the, uh, um, the practice facility first. I was, you know, when he, they had ideas about what to do, whether or not to do the south end zone or the practice facility. I'm glad he did the practice facility first. I think that's paying dividends. But I and I and I think when I look at all the different. Um, uh, building going around for uh, sports complexes and stuff around the campus, uh, it seems to me that the last one, at least in my mind, is the south end zone. Um, unless he's got some other things lined up. But um, I just think if we could ever get that started, and you're right, it would take a big donor to, to get money for it. But I, I really think if that could be finished, that maybe that would help put us over the edge. Well, I don't know. They, they brought in $320 million in donations in the last six years. So yeah. I don't know if they, I don't know how much more money is out there. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, hey, I thank you guys thank for you. your time. Have a good mm-hmm. day. Uh-huh. Yep, appreciate the call, Sam. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Hey, good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. Great show. Enjoyed the comments about the game last night. But the only question I have is the relationship between a head coach and his offensive coordinator. Now, I can understand Brett Bielema said we're going for it on fourth down. But was that play 100% Barry Looney's or did Bielema call that play? He's not Looney. He's Looney. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm sure that was – I'm sure that – I don't think that – the decision to go for it had to come to Bielema, right, Steve? Yeah. But the dis- decision of the play itself, probably uh, Lunny. I would think so, yeah. But I, I, if the head coach wanted to run something else, he can, he can tell the assistant coach what he wants. But I don't think you have a head coach, uh, particularly a defensive head coach, that's going to try to overrule the uh, offensive coordinator. And look, uh, it's one play that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, we, it's not the you know, end of I, go back the, to, I mean, you leave them on the goal line back there with ninety some ninety eight yards to go or ninety seven yards to go. Come on, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, I go back a couple of years ago when they uh, pulled the Michigan State one, creativity. I don't know if that was a fourth down play, but they threw it to Daniel Barker for the touchdown and won the game. Uh-huh. And I think earlier this morning you said to win a game, you got to do what's unexpected. Well, that's you know, that's my theory. I mean, but I, I'd be fired after about two games. But my my goal would always be to do what the other team doesn't want you to do. But to me, that would have been a perfect place. Drop the tight end across the goal line and just flip him the ball, you know. Well, but, that sounds easy. 
You know, and we've always said we don't go to the tight end enough. Well, to me, that was the perfect time to. Well, we threw a tight end to Ford, and what happened? He fumbled. The fumble. Yeah. yeah. But the other guy, Ryman, he made some great plays. Well, a couple, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I think everybody's judging our tight ends based on how many passes they receive. I would have to go back and study the film to determine how did Ford play, how did Ryman play, how did they block. That's what their that's their responsibility. Ninety five percent of the time is blocking. Therefore, <laughs> and the other five percent is catching passes. I guess. Hey, one other question. I had one ear listening to you guys and one ear to ESPN College Game Day, and they were talking about Jim Harbaugh. He's going to start one quarterback today and another one the yep. next Saturday and let mm-hmm. him play the whole game. Yeah. And they said that decision is based entirely on the transfer portal. Yeah. Neither one of those quarterbacks wants to play one series. So Jim Harbaugh said, okay, this is your game, this is your game, to keep him happy and keep him from transferring. And I uh, thought that was how's he going to keep him happy in the third game? I was going to say their <laughs> their uh, their non conference schedule is pretty weak, so oh, they'll, they'll both they'll, be fine. They'll both be playing, yeah, plenty, yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay, good luck, guys. Let's uh, say hello to Allen in Urbana. What's up? Good morning. Um, two things. First, I think we have the right coaches, both offensive and defensive. Give them a little time, and I think we'll be doing good there. Um, the second thing was I complained about this last year because before last year they let people in and out through the entrance on the east side by the Smith building. They cut it off last year. I called in and complained. I said, it's ridiculous. You just have two people, two, two entrances on the east side for people to go in. All it takes is another half a dozen uh, people to take tickets and stuff, and you can open up that entrance again by the Smith uh, entrance. I hope they do that. And then on a related subject, you have the same problem for basketball. People are standing outside in the cold, the rain, the snow. They need to open up more entrances and move more people in. It is poor customer service. That's well, I'm sure they had a ma- I'd like to have been a fly on the wall uh, for that meeting on Monday because the first thing they did when they went back to work was Whitman had a meeting with the people who run the, the operation and and they're going to try to do some things better this we'll see uh, we got Virginia coming up we'll see how, how I'm going to be watching that I think everybody's going to be watching and see how the how the flow is on getting people into the stadium Alan thank you for the call we appreciate that it is 1055 need to take one final break we'll be back with some final words on this edition of the show after this Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. We're a couple of minutes shy of 11 o'clock as we wrap things up on this particular edition of the show. High school football scores for the uh, complete coverage. Check out uh, the News Gazette this morning, but here are a few of the scores. Normal community over Champaign Central, 50 to 14. Mm. Centennial, 69. Peoria Manual 20, 
Peoria beat Danville 36-16. Muhammad Seymour rolls again 35-14 over Effingham. Monticello with a bounce-back win, yep. 38-8 against the Chillicothe IVC. Explain this one to me. I can't. Unity. I can't explain that. 50. I don't understand how Unity could have beaten them so thoroughly. Unity 50, St. Joe Ogden 7. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a toss-up game. Prairie what Cent- do I know? <laughs> exactly. Prairie Central 55, Pontiac 13. Bloomington Central Catholic 61. You notice all these high scores, right? Well, 61 I, to 6 yeah, over Rand We talked about this earlier, Steve. I think when you see these lopsided games, that means that teams aren't the, the losing teams are probably not getting enough people out for football and they're and they're losing their edge. Tuscola beat Cumberland 40 to 22. Reed Custer put 66 on Arcola, 66 to 7. Man. Uh, PBL 47, Sparta nothing. Those are some of the high school scores. Check the News Gazette. Illinois Volleyball today out in Boulder, Colorado to take on Colorado at 3.30. You can hear that right here. And a lot of college football. Here we have a Saturday where we're not at uh, the stadium watching. We'll be watching some TV today. Yeah, I'm going to prop my legs up and fall asleep. <laughs> Try to stay awake. Well, you can, the good thing about it is you can fall asleep in uh, uh, numerous games <laughs> and wake up and catch up. Cardinals uh, beat the Cubs last night 8 to nothing, and the White Sox over the Twins 4-3. to three. Those teams going at it again today. We appreciate you listening. Seven, you tell me they got a seven-and-a-half game lead. 7.5 That's game a pretty lead. good lead in September. It, it is, over uh, Milwaukee. That's going to do it. We appreciate you listening on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. By the way, News Gazette sports writers show Monday 4 o'clock instead of 5 on Labor Day.